21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. He caught a thief or he saw a thief? Yeah. Yeah. Well, where is it? Where are they holding him? Oh, it's a woman. Where has he got it? Yeah. You're in the muster room at the 21st Precinct, the nerve center. A call is coming through. You will follow the action taken pursuant to that call from this minute until the final report is written in the 124 room at the 21st Precinct. Yes, sir. I'll send the officers right over there. That's right. Yeah. You stand out on the sidewalk and show them where to go. All right. Okay. 21st Precinct. It's just lines on a map of the city of New York. Most of the 173,000 people wedged into the nine-tenths of a square mile between Fifth Avenue and the East River wouldn't know if you asked them that they lived or worked in the 21st. Whether they know it or not, the security of their homes, their persons, and their property is the job of the men of the 21st precinct. The 21st, 160 patrolmen, 11 sergeants, and four lieutenants of whom I'm the boss. My name is Kennelly, Frank Kennelly. I'm captain in command of the 21st. I was working my day tour, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. After I had turned out the platoon and attended to other matters in the station house that required my attention, sector car number three came by the house to take me to 84th Street and 5th Avenue, where a large crowd was expected at the reopening ceremonies of a remodeled wing of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Although the museum itself is in the 22nd or Central Park precinct, three patrolmen from the 21st had been detailed to handle the traffic on 5th Avenue. On arrival, I determined that the congestion was not nearly as heavy as anticipated, and I returned to the car with the intention of inspecting other conditions in the precinct. During the course of the patrol, we had occasion to drive downtown on 2nd Avenue in the 70s. There, I spotted the sergeant's car double parked at the corner a block ahead. As we approached, I saw a group of pedestrians peering into the window of a small neighborhood drugstore. I instructed the operator of my car to stop. I got out and crossed the sidewalk to the store. Coming through there, please. Coming through. Hello, Captain. Oh, Carl, what do we got? I don't know. The sergeant talked to me yet, sir. Sergeant? Oh, what do we got? I'm trying to find out, Captain. We just got here ourselves. It's the first time anything like that ever happened to me. Uh, this is Mr. Crow, the druggist, sir. Captain, you know, Captain, how do you do? Mr. Crow? I didn't mean any harm. I really didn't. Well, we were riding by, Captain. I saw the disturbance on the sidewalk, and we got out to have a look. Well, nervous, sir. <laughs> he went right into the showcase. He took a hypodermic syringe and a needle. Right into the showcase. I didn't mean any you harm. You didn't mean any harm. You stole my merchandise, didn't you? She comes in here. The telephone rings. I go in back. She thinks I can't see her, but I can. Right in the counter, like she knew just exactly where I keep the hypodermic. You knew what she was after. Is that true, man? I guess so. Yes, and she ran out of the door. Then I hung up the phone and I followed her out into the street and I grabbed her. She tried to get away, but lucky the sergeant was right there. Honey, on the spot. She had the needle and the syringe in her hand, didn't she, sergeant? Yeah, that's right. She had them. I didn't mean any harm. What's her name, miss? Kitty. Kitty what? Kitty. Where do you live? Well, where? No place. Well, now, you must live someplace. I don't live any place. Is it that you don't live any place, or is it that you don't want to tell us where you live or what your name is? I'm not telling you. We'll find out. If you do that, it's up to you. I'm not telling you. Did you ever see her in the store before, Mr. Cross? Well, I don't know. Maybe. She looks familiar. 
but she's not a regular customer. Well, do you think she lives in the neighborhood? Well, she couldn't prove it by me, Captain. Your first name is Kitty, isn't it? Well, I'll call you that anyway. I don't care. Call me what you want. Why did you want a hypodermic syringe and needle? Just wanted it. Are you a narcotics user? Yes. Let me see your arm. Roll up your sweater. No. Look, kid, you're in a lot of trouble now. It might as well be a little help. Pull up your sleeve. Let me see your arm. All right. Let me see the other one. Why did you tell me you were a user when you're not? I thought I was. I just didn't want to disappoint you. What did you want the needle and syringe for? I just wanted it. You sure must have wanted it. You had to go all the way in back of the counter for it. It's not for you, is it? It is for me. Is it for a friend of yours who's a user? Yes, it's for a friend of mine. Who? It's a friend of mine. Didn't she have a purse, Sergeant? No, sir, I didn't see any. Did you notice that she was carrying one with clothes? Well, I don't remember. Why don't you ask me? I could tell you. I wasn't carrying any purse. I never carried a purse. Well, then you're not very far from home, are you? What difference does that make? I could be a thousand miles away. I still wouldn't carry a purse. I don't like to carry them. How old are you, Kitty? Don't care for purses, that's all. I'm entitled not to carry them, don't you think? How old are you? Nineteen. I've got a pocket in my sweater. That's all I need. I carry the money I want to carry in the pocket. See, i got a dollar and eighty cents. What do I need a purse for? A dollar and eighty cents. Want to count it? You want to count it? It's all there. It's a dollar and eighty cents. Put it back. Well, I guess you better take her on in, Sergeant. Let the detectives take her on. Yes, sir. Take me in where? Into the station house. I don't want to go. Well, I don't think you have any choice in the matter. Uh, we'll have to take this needle and syringe along for evidence, Mr. Close. Well, that's all right. It's all right with me. Uh, will I get the match? The detectives will be around to talk to you. You'll uh, have to appear against them. In court, you mean? Yep. How can I get away from the store in the daytime? It's hard for me to get away. You'll get that straightened out with the detectives. Come on, miss. I don't want to go. Look, honey, don't give us any more trouble now. I don't want to. I can't. You better go along, Kitty. I can't go. I can't. You want me to pick you up and carry you? No. Well, then come on. All right. I'll see you at the station house, Captain. Okay. I don't know, Captain. Okay, Day and age. Customer comes in, you don't know whether they're a thief or a millionaire. Pretty young girl like that. I don't know. Well, you can take one thing for granted, Mr. Crowes. There are a lot more thieves than millionaires. After I left the drugstore, I had my operator drive to public school 79, where I conferred with the principal in regard to a delinquency problem he was experiencing among a group of older boys. I suggested a course that could be taken in connection with the situation and told him I would send the precinct youth patrolman and a detective of the juvenile aid bureau around to talk to him and aid in correcting the condition. When I came out of the school and got into the car, I instructed the operator to return to the station house. It was 10.40 a.m. when we arrived. I crossed the sidewalk, walked up the stone steps, and into the muster room where Lieutenant Snyder was desk officer and Sergeant Waters was now on telephone switchboard duty. Hello, Captain. Sergeant, uh, you got a call from the borough commander's office. Oh, yes, sir. Go ahead, take your phone. I left a message on your desk. All right, I'll sign the blotter. Hello, Lieutenant. What's doing? 21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't stop them from building the building, lady. Yeah. Well, they need rivets to hold the girders together. They can't help the noise. It's the machine they use. 
Yeah, I understand. But it'll only be a couple of more weeks and they're through, lady. Well, and after the steel workers come the bricklayers. They work quietly. Yes, ma'am. You're welcome. What happened to the girl, Sergeant? What girl? Well, the one you arrested in the drugstore. Oh, yes, sir. She's upstairs in the detective. Did she say who she is? Not that I know of, Captain. I've been talking to her. Mm-hmm. Have they booked her in yet? No, sir. Uh, what, do you, what do you think she wanted with the hypodermic outfit? She's not a user. Didn't she have any identification on her at all? No, sir. A policewoman came up from the 19th precinct and said so. Found nothing. Hmm. Same. Pretty little girl, too. Yeah? Oh, Captain. No, man. Oh, Lieutenant King. Sergeant. You on your way in or out, Captain? Oh, I just got in from patrol. Oh, great. Got time to talk for a minute? Yeah, sure, man. What's on your mind? Well, uh, uh, let's go in my office. Yes. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, go ahead, man. Thanks. Huh. Have a seat. I just want to wash some ink off my hands. That pen we've got out there is like a sin. <laughs> hey, uh, did you find anything out about that girl with the hypodermic syringe and needles? What'd you say, Captain? I said, did you find anything out about that girl with the hypodermic syringe and needles? Who is she? Hasn't said a word yet, Captain. Nothing? No, nothing. She's a strange one. Yeah, sure is. Well, uh... What are you doing to find out who she is? Oh, we made her fingerprints. We sent them downtown to be checked out. If she's been arrested before, we'll know right away. Well, what if she hasn't? Well, they put out a general appearance description on a teletype, checking through the alarm. Funny kid. Well, what's on your mind, man? Well, sir, oh, uh, have you got just a second? I want to make this call. Yes? What's the time? Sergeant, would you see if you can get Deputy Chief Caruso at the borough office? Yes, sir. Do uh, you want to wait on or shall I ring in that? No, I'll ring in. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Well, uh, I understand you're in the process of making your inspection of the building and equipment. Yeah, that's right. Captain, could you put in an extra special plea for a coat of paint up in the detective squad? Uh, I'm trying to get them to paint the whole building, man. I know, but there hasn't been a painter upstairs since before the war. <laughs> Which war? Civil War, it looks like. Glass is cracking, bird isn't cracked, might well be. Well, I'm trying to get the superintendent of the buildings up here in person to take a look around. If he comes, you'll bring him up to the squad, huh? Matt, if he comes, I'm going to take him into every corner of this building. In addition to painting, something's got to be done about the heating system. You fellows burned up from too much heat all winter, and downstairs we froze to death. Oh, excuse me, man. Yes. 21st precinct, Captain Canelli. Roger Waters, RCS, Captain. Yes. Okay. I left a message to send his call. The patrolman on a job there said he put the message on his chest. All right. And uh, I want to see if I can get them to give us some new lighting fixtures. Not a good eye being ruined around here. Well, that's another thing we could use in the squad, some decent lights. Well, if I can get the superintendent of the buildings up here, maybe that'll accomplish something, but don't hope for too much, man. I'll settle for the paint job. You see, they've got very little money for maintenance and repairs and about 90 departmental buildings that need it. That spreads it pretty thin. Well, I figure if we holler long enough and loud enough, Captain, he'll do something. Uh, 21st Precinct, Captain Canelli. Dr. Moore is on CS, Captain. Uh, Lieutenant King can have what you with me. Yes, he's here. My tally wants to talk to you. The tally wants to talk to you, man. No. There he is. Thanks. Lieutenant King. Yeah, Lee. Who calls from down there? 
They sure about it? Yeah, when? All right. I'll be right upstairs. Well, that pretty little thief that took the hypodermic outfit, Captain. Yeah? I think we know who she is. Who? The wife of a boy named Victor Gerard. Well, who is he? Stuck up three delicatessens downtown on the west side. Oh? He went to stick up the third one. There was a detective planted in the back. Detective fired two shots, and Gerard fired three. Well, the officer got hit, didn't he? Yes, sir. Still in St. Vincent Hospital. Caught one on the side. Yes, it was in the 10th precinct last week. That's right. The detective felt sure that he hit the boy with one of his shots. Squad commander of the 10th rang up here and spoke to the tally. He saw the description on the teletype and thought it fit the girl. The girl I knew was married to this Gerard. Well, if the boy was hit, maybe she wanted the needle and syringe for him. That's what it looks like. Going upstairs to talk to her again. You want to come along, Captain? Yes, Matt. I think I do. I walked out of my office with Lieutenant King, and we headed through the muster room toward the back room where a motorcycle patrolman from Traffic Precinct F was sitting at the table going through his summons book, preparatory to turning the stubs over to the desk officer. Together, we went up the stairs towards the second floor where the 21st Detective Squad is located. You see? Look at the hall even, Captain. Fast is cracking out here, too. Yeah. I don't know why it's so hard to get someone up here with a bucket of paint. Not asking for the world. Almost the world, Matt, but not quite. Go ahead. Thank you. Pete. Yes, sir, Lieutenant. Where is she? In my office still? Yes, sir. Someone coming up here from the 10th precinct? Yes, sir. There's two men on the way. Do you think it's a girl? They think so. They had her husband identified. Is that right? Uh, yes, sir, Captain. According to the information I got, they made him from mug shots. Two of these delicatessen store operators identified him and the detective he shot. They traced him out to an apartment down in Greenwich Village. He just moved down there a day or so before, left no forwarding address. None of his friends knew where he went. Uh-huh. They knew he married this girl named Kitty. Well, then Kitty's her right first name, at least. Yes, sir. They've been watching her parents' apartment. they got a plant there. No one's heard from her. We heard from her. Yes, sir. Well, let's go in and talk to her. Who's in there with her? Goldman and Cassidy, Lieutenant. Good. Okay. Hello, Captain. Hi, Captain. Goldman? Hello, Cassidy. Close the door, Pete. Yes, sir. Well, you ready to tell us who you are, miss? I told you I can't. I can't. You have to believe me. Well, we haven't gotten very far, have we? I can't tell you. I want to, but I can't. Well, if you won't tell us who you are, supposing we tell you. You're Kitty Gerard. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Oh, look, Kitty. There's no sense wasting any more time. They know who you are. And they know who your husband is. They know your husband is Vic Gerard. They know he stuck up three delicatessens, and they know he shot a detective. Now, you're in a lot of trouble, and so is your husband. You want to help yourself? You better help us. I'm not looking for any help. I don't need any. I don't want any. But you are Kitty Gerard. Yes. Yes, I'm Kitty Gerard. Where's Vic? Not going to tell you. Now, look. You're a pretty little girl. You're 19 years old. You've got long blonde hair and a sweet, innocent little face. Might do you a lot of good in some places. But right now, you're in a police station. It doesn't help you here. You take about 10 seconds and think over what you're facing. After you think it over, your mind better be made up to tell us what we want to know. Now, you go ahead and think nothing to think about. I'm not going to tell you. My husband and I love him, and I'm not going to tell you. Your husband isn't worth loving. 
He held up three delicatessens and he shot a detective. That's something that's worth loving? Yes, he's worth loving. Not in my book, it isn't. I don't know what your book is. All right, Kitty. What did you want with the needle? I wanted it. You sure must have wanted it to steal it. Runs in the family. It's for Vic, isn't it? Yes, it's for him. Is that why he held up the delicatessen? Because of the habit? He hasn't got the habit. He hates it. He saw it happen to a couple of his friends. Told me time and time again, lay off the stuff. It's no good. He said, don't touch it. I don't touch it. And he doesn't touch it. Well, then why did you want the needle? He's hurt, isn't he? Yes, he's hurt. Is he shot? Yes, he was shot by the same policeman he shot in the delicatessen, the last one. Has he had any treatment? No. I wanted to take him to a hospital. I wanted to get him a doctor, but he said, no, don't do that because he'd get turned in. The hospital would call the cops, so would the doctor. Have you been taking care of him yourself? Yes. Where's he shot? In the leg. Right above the knee, about two inches above the knee. Which leg? Right one. I don't know how he made it home. The miracle he ever got there. It was a miracle I was able to stop it bleeding. I don't know how I did it. That bullet in there, or did it go through? It's in there. How long has this been, man? Six days? Yeah, six days, Captain. Is he sick? Yes, he's sick. Running a fever about 100 and 203. His legs are swollen up. I want him to go to a doctor. I said, Vic, get some sense. Get some sense because I can't take care of this thing. I don't know anything about it. He's sick. I don't know what would happen. It's better to go to a doctor or a hospital than to take a chance. Even if you get arrested, you can't take a chance. He wouldn't let me take it. He sent me down to three or a couple of drugstores. He said to go to a different one every time and get some bandages and some iodine. And he said, you'll take care of it for me. You'll take care of me. Well, I've been trying. I want to do what he says, but he's really sick. With 103 fever, he must be. You know what that fever's a sign of, don't you? It's infected. Badly infected. I know. I read it in the first aid book. He didn't sleep all night hardly last night. Got up this morning. He was so hot you could hardly touch him. He's been taking aspirin by the dozen. He says it gets the fever down. I told him it's not the fever that's so bad. It's the infection. Well, he had an idea this morning. He said there was one thing that would take care of it. He said he ought to take some penicillin. Well, you can't get penicillin without a doctor's prescription, and you need a hypodermic needle to take it. I told him I couldn't give him a hypodermic. He said he'd give it to himself. And he told me to go out and get penicillin and a hypodermic and not to come back until I got him. Well, I tried to buy a hypodermic. He told me to say I was diabetic. You know that I had to take insulin? Well, I tried it. Druggist all said I needed the doctor's prescription. Including the druggist where you tried to steal the stuff? No, other ones. I went to a lot of drugstores. Finally, this one. I saw where he kept him, so I looked around the store, and his phone rang. I tried to get it out of the showcase before he caught me on the street. You know the rest. I never even got a chance to get any penicillin. I didn't even try. Where is he, Kitty? No, I'm not going to tell you. He's my husband. I'm not going to go against anything that he says. Just because he's your husband, that doesn't make him right. I know it doesn't. But he's my husband. Kitty, he's got a bad infection in his leg. He's been running 103 fever. You know what's going to happen to him if he doesn't get under a doctor's care, don't you? If he doesn't get into a hospital? He said the penicillin would take care of it. Well, how is he going to get the penicillin now? I guess he won't be able to. 
Yeah, he's just going to stay there and wait for you to come back. He told you not to come back until you got it. He's probably up there in that bed, sick with fever and in agony from pain. Pretty soon he's going to be beyond the point where any doctor can help him. Now, you say you love your husband. I do. Well, if you love him, you'd see that he got into a hospital and under proper care. He doesn't want to. He's not going to make any difference what he wants very soon because he's going to be dead. But it couldn't be that bad. It's bad enough. Now, if you want him alive, you better tell us where he is. I wanted him to go to a doctor. I wanted him to go to a hospital, but he said no. Where is he, Kitty? In the room. We've got to find his room. Where? I... He said I should. Where is your room? 742, 70. Is he there alone? Yes, he's alone. In bed? He was when I left him. Can I get out? He can't walk. To the other gun. Yes, he's got a gun. Where's he keeping? Right there next to him on the table. You think he'll use it? Oh, he won't use it. I'm sure he won't. He's sick. He's sick in bed. He was shot in the leg. Yes, I know. But there's nothing wrong with his hands. The interrogation of Kitty Gerard continued until the arrival of the two detectives from the 10th Squad. In the course of the questioning, a complete description of the room in which she resided with her husband was obtained. Detectives Goldman and Cassidy were sent to the address with instructions to wait there on a plant. At 12.05, the detail assigned to make the arrest left the station house. Because Gerard was known to be armed and had already shot one detective, the utmost precautions were made to take him despite his apparent physical disability. Four patrolmen and Sergeant Waters were detailed to assist the detectives by covering the hallway, the sidewalk, and the rear of the building. It was decided to take Kitty along in the hope that the element of surprise could be employed and the fugitive apprehended without further shooting. At 12.20, Lieutenant King with Kitty at his side, Sergeant Waters, Detective Vitale, Detective Wilkes of the 10th Squad, and I proceeded up the stairs to the third floor hall room which the couple occupied. Our revolvers were drawn. Yes, I know. Hold it. All right, Kitty. Let's make sure you know what you're supposed to do. I know. Let's get it straight. What? When we get to, to the door, you're looking to tell me to use the key and open it. Yes. After I get these officers placed where I want them. I think there's anything I'm supposed to answer. That's right. I'm supposed to act natural. You won't hurt him, will you? Please don't hurt him. It's up to him. It's up to you. All right, let's go. You won't get hurt, Captain. No, not if you help us. All right. Better keep quiet. Okay, upstairs. <coughs> I want to get that fixed. Okay. Roger. Okay. 
Yes, I get to me. How do you feel? Well, uh, get the stuff. Okay, let's go. Out of the way, Kitty. What is... Hey, where you are, Vic. Don't move. Get the gun. Press in. What's going on? You know what's going on, Vic. Kitty, Kitty. Yes, sir. I'm right here. by John Ives. This is George Bryan speaking.